Welcome to Make It Kick-Ass, where we help leaders of growing communities bring their people together with purpose and lasting impact. Join us as we explore how to make events engaging, exciting, energizing, and profitable so that you can build a healthy, sustainable community. I'm Isaac Watson, founder and lead strategist at Kick-Ass Conferences. And I'm Nessa Jimenez, operations manager at Kick-Ass Conferences. Now let's make it kick-ass together. Hello, everyone. We are glad to see you here with us again. And by see, I mean, know that you are listening to us because this is not a two-way video communication. That's how we roll. Uh, this is Make It Kick Ass. I'm Isaac, and I'm joined with Nessa. Nessa's back. Uh, how you doing? Hi, everyone. Uh, and we are here with some follow-up thoughts on our interview with Brienne Dick from Visionary CEO Academy. Uh, I had a really interesting conversation with her in the last episode. So if you did not listen to it yet, you may want to head back first and give it a gander because uh, we're basically just going to be following up on a lot of the stuff that we talked about. So that's a that's a helpful thing to do. Um, so uh, in that episode, unfortunately, Nessa wasn't able to join us. Uh, so it was just Brianna and I. Um, Nessa, I'm curious, like you listened to the recording Um how one thing that stood out for me was like kind of launching into uh how Brianne teaches and finding that she teaches better live and in person uh than in other ways kind of fascinating to me um what what stood out about that to you and what what was kind of your takeaway out of that yeah so i i think just in general brianne is like a fascinating person and the way that she thinks like i just love the way that her mind works uh -huh. so it was great to be able to have that conversation or you know for you to have it and for me to listen to it but um i thought it was really interesting uh, she touches on talking about the differences in energy and first of all for people that know brianne that's just funny because she's not like a woo energy type of person you know what I mean like that's not a word in her vocabulary usually but she talked about um how people when they read her like via text that that they pick up like she's kind of like intimidating and that yet in on camera or in person like she brings a different energy a different vibe like they feel more comfortable around her um I I have noticed this um in seeing her uh present she there there is there's like this energy that she brings to the camera yeah which is kind of this like unabashed nerdy yes operational stuff and i think that just doesn't come through in writing and you know i've had people tell me in the past that my own writing can come across a little cold and diplomatic um and so i always have to work to like pull it out of the analytical and, and juice it up a little bit. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so I totally resonate with, with the way she shifted um, her presentation style to be able to, you know, provide something that's a little more engaging. Um, and for me, another thing that stood out around this was uh, her talk about um, the differences between a polished presentation versus an imperfect one, this video course that she put together um, and like spent all this time scripting and like making this perfect thing and engagement was just rock bottom. Yet these live trainings that she does, they're a little imperfect. Sometimes the tech doesn't work quite right. Um, it it's 
I mean, honestly, it adds a human element to it, right? It, it yeah. creates a, a deeper connection. I loved when she brought that up because that also shows the gap between what people say they want and then what they actually want. Um, yes. I know there's a lot of like common knowledge out there of like, oh, everybody has a video course. And she kind of brought that up, that there was like this time where like everybody had to have like a super polished thing. But the reality is like, yeah, people don't watch that. People don't watch the videos. <laughs> like that's just how it is. Um, and the difference between the super polished, perfect, like, you know, well done, beautiful slides, all of this thing versus just showing up and doing the thing like that just speaks to humans needing a human experience um you know we connect better with people who just show up and do the thing and they're themselves okay i want to dig into this a little bit more because i'm thinking about this this term overproducing yeah um and we are known for very well produced events right like yes. high polish um uh great av good tech things like that how do we balance our desire for good production and creating a top-notch experience with that human element? Because I think the work that we do allows people to show up and be human, right? Um, when we work with people, I'm thinking about when we work with speakers, we never we don't have like rules about how they should do their hair, how they should do their makeup, how they should do their clothes, which I know other people do have. And that's like a whole problematic, like whole thing we could talk about. But what we focus is on is making sure that people can hear, people can see, like see the person, see the slides, see, you know, whatever they're presenting, that they can be heard, um, that there is, um, captions right that so people can read the captions like we focus on creating that space the lighting and all that good stuff so that they can show up and be who they are and bring what they're going to bring to the table right yeah. like and i think that's that's the difference where whereas with an overproduced thing you will have someone invite a speaker and then tell the speaker what they need to say and right. what the, what the goals are and what they're supposed to like teach or whatever and and we don't do that and I don't I never want to do that. Yeah. I think you know we are literally giving people a platform uh, creating a platform for these speakers to prevent, present from stage and in doing so the work that we do is about providing access to those speakers through you know, being able to let them communicate as good as possible to meet people where they are as far as their access needs are concerned, whether that's captions or interpretation or whatnot. Um, and the the production value that we put into it helps, it, it essentially enables the speakers to present their context, right? Right. The idea, like, we don't want to... You know, like if we're if we're doing a conference for a hundred people, for example, uh, around some really important cause, um, we're not gonna like have like walk on music and like fancy right. lights changing right. and like make it right. a disco, right? right? That's not that doesn't fit within the context of what we're doing. So we want right. to find the right match for that kind of stuff. Other events are worthy is the wrong word, but um, are are more attuned to that kind of a production value because they have different goals, 
right? And so it's about identifying the context of what the event needs to do to be able to showcase those messages and get uh, people, the audience in the room to understand the context of the speaker and what they're trying to share. Uh, and the event tech and the production value around it contributes right. to that. And there's two things there with what you've brought up. So first of all, there is the audience expectation because, mm -hmm. um, and I always use this example of Tony Robbins, people that want to <laughs> see Tony Robbins have an expectation of what yes. seeing Tony Robbins is. And people that want to be the next Tony Robbins, they imitate that that mm -hmm. look that presentation like that whole thing with the lights and the sounds and all of that stuff like the people that go to that expect that so if they go there and they don't get what they're expecting in that presentation like that's a failure right mm -hmm. because you're not delivering what they want there's other people like me like i'm not impressed by that i i i i, I that if anything that like disengages me <laughs> you know what yes. i mean like this whole it, it comes across as fake and just you know i hate it but the point is what matters is the audience like the tony robbins people they love that so they should get it you know what i mean yeah. and and and, yeah. and so that also speaks to so first the audience expectations the audience needs uh, and second i mentioned the actual like being on the stage, like we already have the speaker and how we're presenting them, but we also need to step back and look at the speaker selection process. So mm -hmm. that is also how I feel like we don't, we don't overproduce because we could just as easily go to like these speaker, um, what are they called? These the, the speaker bureaus. Yeah. Like they just have, you know, the website and like you just pick, pick a name and, and, and it's just this whole process. And like, that's easy, right? That mm -hmm. that's, that's a way of meeting that Tony Robbins expectation, right? Like these are people that they have a talk and they give that same talk at the 300 events that they do in a year. Right. And they do the same imagery, the same slides, everything, right? Mm -hmm. So you know what you're getting there. Um, that, to me, is overproduced because that is literally like just buying a performance. You're not buying a human experience. You're right. buying yeah. a thing that has been done a million times and has been polished. Like It's a product. Correct. It's been polished to the max. Whereas what we do in our speaker selection process is we, we're not looking for the polished product we are looking for the person and the experience and and we ask ourselves like who who can speak to this audience not what can they say because i've never i've never approached the speaker selection process by by looking at what they're going to say first right like i just right. want the right person and then i trust that that person is going to bring to the table whatever that audience needs. Like, it is on them, and it's not my place to to define that for them. And so yeah. that is another way where, that we avoid that overproduction. Exactly. I think um, if I can kind of distill this, I think the, the process that we go through, whether it's through speaker selection or through the actual production, is that we are trying to create an environment that is conducive and optimized to connection with the audience, to sharing the message, achieving the outcomes that we're designing anything that that goes so far as to distract that becomes the overproduction where it's either unnecessary or it's um it's like way out there like oh we you know we have fireworks on stage like that doesn't that's not appropriate right and that doesn't right. help 
it actually hinders. Um, so I think that that's a that's a good segue into a, another thing that Brianne talked about um, about teaching itself. And I think this goes to speaking from stage. I think it goes it speaks to um, pun intended uh, to teaching in a in a more structured environment. Um, she said teaching isn't about telling. It's about what the student understands. Yes, I love. That. I think a lot of speakers could take that lesson to heart um, because you know there's a lot of focus around storytelling from stage. There's a lot of focus on um, you know, distilling this down into a compelling package. But if people aren't understanding you, people aren't actually taking in or receptive to what you're saying. You're not going to get your message across. Um, they're not going to, they're not going to come out of it, uh, understanding and, and, um, integrating that into their lives in the same way. Yeah. I am 100% anti-jargon. Like, you know, this about me, I'm always talking about like, how do we communicate it so that the most amount of people can understand what we're trying to say? I'm not trying to look smart. I'm trying to help the person that I'm speaking to. Yes. Um, and that's a part of accessibility that I think not enough people think about. Like, it's so easy to say, you know, accessibility is captioning or accessibility right. is, um, uh, you know, ADA compliance. But it, yeah. it is about meeting people where they are within the context of what they're bringing to the table there's yeah. you know context again right yeah <laughs> Humans, that's one of context. my <laughs> that's one of my beefs with uh the corporate world and academia because one of the big parts of access and how they gatekeep mm-hmm. is through the use of language yes and you know the, the this whole quote unquote excellent communication skills which i'm always going to be like no that <laughs> like if 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 i can understand what you're saying if if anybody can understand what i'm saying that is much better communication to me than if someone used the right quote unquote the right words the jargon and and you know like i will always argue about that <laughs> yeah but um so kind of dovetailing off of that um you guys ended the conversation talking about the yearly retreat and I know you explained this on the episode. So there Brienne and Jill have been clients of ours and we've worked on their yearly retreat with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the conversation that y'all had about um, the, the resource thing that we sent people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to get your perspective because you, I mean, you had the conversation with her. So I'm really curious about like, did what, what she brought, what she spoke about didn't match like what you were thinking because we've never actually had that conversation with her, like on that level that you did on the episode. Yeah. It, it was funny to me, um, hearing her describe it, especially as we're, you know, eight months removed from the last retreat that we did with them. Uh, and we've done two now. Um, the, you know, we came at the, the toolkit concept, uh, from, from the perspective of trying to create a shared experience that all these distributed people could have during the event and to, to bring some physicality, uh, to the thing. What I thought was was interesting 
um i don't i, I could be wrong but i do not recall any of our conversations talking about the fun element of business and that these toolkit items were part of that. We talked yes. like part of our pitch was about the multi-sensory thing, activating all five senses, um, you know, creating something that kind of tied into the program and the curriculum that they were trying to, to teach. But this fun element of business, I, that took me a little bit by surprise and maybe I just have bad recall and we did have a no, conversation. But I, no, no, that, that, is, that, <laughs> that is so true because we didn't, we, we'd never really had that direct um, conversation, but I think the way that we work, it, we implicitly work in that way because mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why people think business automatically means no fun. Like you can't have fun <laughs> with it. Um, and I think the way that you and I work, we always come with an attitude of having fun, bringing fun into it, bringing some sort of joy and some sort of energy. Because mm-hmm. um, there isn't a rule against it, but for some reason, people don't associate fun with business. I don't know. <laughs> so that was fantastic when that came up. I love that. Yeah. And. To me, like a, a lot of like in the corporate setting, a lot of like team building activities are centered around fun things, but it's usually like outings after hours um, and they're doing an escape room or axe throwing or whatever the trendy like team building thing is right. these days. Or it'll be fun with quotes around it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and nobody actually wants to go to them. Correct. Uh, and nobody's they- actually having fun. <laughs> Right. Like the coworkers would rather just go to a bar on their own and bitch about their bosses. All that, right. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, um, and so I think, I think that there's a, part of what we do is acknowledge this human nature that we want to have fun doing what we're doing, even if it's a work thing. And there are different ways you can integrate fun into it. Um, you know, we will, we talked a little bit about this with Brienne, but we're going to interview Jordan Hales later this season about, uh, bringing dance and movement into, uh, into an event as a way to activate people and to change the energy and to add an element of fun. Um, we have a conversation coming up with Gary Hirsch about uh, improvisation and, um, the way you can, um, better engage with people by kind of pushing them a little bit out of their comfort zone and, and, and getting them involved in things. I think at the end of the day, like every single event that we have worked on has had an element of fun. I would say with the exception of one (laughs) client, which was not a great experience for us um, (laughs) because I don't know if you, (laughs) it was a bank. Yes, Um, exactly. I knew, I knew. <laughs> yeah, you knew, you knew exactly. They didn't want any fun. Oh, absolutely <laughs> um, not. That's there was what I no mean fun about involved. like, why? Why yeah. are you so against this? Like, what's exactly. the problem? Exactly. Um, I think the best thing we did to incorporate fun into that was to like have a, a I think it was like an, an omelet station or something yeah. for the breakfast. That was as close right? to Where, fun as that we was got. An, but like, <laughs> come on, people. Anyway, um, do better, bank. Uh, so um, the, this, Fun is really important. It helps add levity. It helps uh, create social connection points. It helps people um, let down their guard a little bit and become more vulnerable. And it it's it's a human thing. We need it. Like we we crave fun connections at work, whether it's 
you know, chatting about what we did over the weekend or um, trying to, you know, um, go somewhere fun for lunch, right? Or whatever that right. is, right? We need more of that. We need more of that if we're going to continue to be more human. And I think that as, as the future of work shakes out and we start to reconcile this remote versus in-person thing, that's going to be more and more important to achieve. Right. And I will say in this in this post-pandemic world, I'm so sick of saying post-pandemic, <laughs> but um, now more than ever, to get people out and at events, there has to be fun. Yes. People are no longer willing to go to an event. Because I remember pre-pandemic, especially like in corporate things, they'd be like, well, you know, the company's going to pay for it. I'll go and whatever. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, at night I'll go out and get drinks or whatever. Mm -hmm. But now, even if the company's paying for it, people are like, okay, but I have to now deal with going to the airport. I have to deal with like gross germs of everybody, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like all the places. I have to deal with all this shit to get to the event i better have fun i better want to be there i better feel good about it so i i i think fun is non-negotiable now i I agree wholeheartedly like you not to mention like i have to i have to catch up on the work that i'm missing while i'm gone maybe it's going to go over a weekend i'm going to miss time at home with my family or my friends whatever that is like we have to give them some sort of benefit to bring out some joy to bring out some excitement um and it's it it's not it's actually not that hard either right like it can be so it's not you know the the problem is and the problem is the fear of offending people is Mm -hmm. what i think it is Mm-hmm. Because people can't imagine fun, uh, and I'm talking about in the corporate sense. Yeah. When 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 you bring up fun, they automatically think, "Oh my God, somebody's going to get offended." But what if people don't like it? But what if people think this? What if people think that? And you, and, and it's just easier to not do it or to do fun in a very like childlike, uh, dorky mm-hmm. way um, than to to invest at all because it's the fear of. I don't want to deal with the drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to mm-hmm. deal with people getting pissed at me because, you know, I brought a performer in and the performer said something spicy, for example. I think that's mm-hmm. a good example of, of you know, bringing fun in um, where people mess up. I, I've, I've heard a lot about corporate events that will bring in a stand-up comedian, but the stand-up comedian will be someone who is used to doing, like, insult comedy, Right. And and then they showed up at the event and they were like, oh, no, this is not the audience for this type of thing. Right. right? And, right. And, and, <laughs> and that's where you end up with, OK, we tried it and we messed up. So we're never going to do that again. Right. Uh, I think this circles back to not just buying a product when you're looking for your entertainment, your right. performances, um, to paying attention to the context of the people that you're trying to create fun for yeah right what do they need what do they like what are their interests if you don't know this you need to ask them what do they think is fun 
Yes. Like not every community has the same definition of fun. There, there are communities that they love an insult comic. They love it. Right. You know, there are communities that love a drag queen that is like sassy and, Mm -hmm. you know, like it brings in the spice. There's other people like, you know, if if it's like a religious community, obviously their, their definition of fun is going to be different. Yes. Like, you know, um, so it, it, again, it's the context and doing your homework and looking at this group of people and saying okay what is fun for them and what can we bring in that can surprise and delight them and 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 bring fun into the event Thanks for listening to this episode of Make It Kick-Ass. We hope you found it entertaining and helpful. If hosting a community event is on your radar, visit GetEventLab.com to take our free 30-minute training called Community Event Mastery. That's GetEventLab.com or use the link in the show notes. Make It Kick-Ass is hosted by Isaac Watson and Nessa Jimenez. Post-production audio by Chris Nelson at Mittens Media. Our theme song is Feel It by Dojo for Crooks. Make It Kick-Ass is a production of Kick-Ass Conferences, an event strategy and design agency serving leaders of growing communities.